We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by the Blue Wire Network, and our friends, ourselves, Rotoviz. Stay tuned for the rest of the show. You can get 10% off with your Rotoviz subscription, get your content, your tools. We're getting into tool season. You know, once we get past the Super Bowl, Dan, we'll have to dive deep into the tools again. Well, lucky enough for you, I'm already a tool, so we kind of always have a tool available. There we go. What a nice line. We probably said it twice on an edit. All right. So today we're going to go over some storylines we have in the hashtag NFL uh, for this week and go over some offseason storylines. I went over some quick ones. We might rehash a little bit some of those to get Dan's takes and see what my updated takes are after a weekend of NFC and AFC championship game football. So the first one, the big news for this, uh, this is a funny thing to see, uh, Dan, for the second straight year <laughs> on February 1st, Tom Brady retired. Yeah, I, I mean, I, it it feels planned at this point. You don't blatantly do it on the exact same day, you know, in a video with, yep, I'm at the beach. We're going to do this again for real this time, though, guys, I promise for real this time. Like, it, it probably is for real. It probably should be for real. But you know that it was planned to do it on the exact same day. So, uh, I mean, yeah, this one to me feels more real. It doesn't, nothing, nothing seemed to be kind of what the Brady magic had been. Um, the the bigger issue is, you know, I, in the season, we're going through like his divorce stuff. He lost like 20 pounds or something. And... He just never really looked right beyond that. So, um, yeah, this this one I believe. I think the the interesting part is that, and obviously everyone had like can have their own theories and and thoughts of why um, he's retiring or or when he's retiring and all those different things. Um, but I think he's retiring for football reasons, but not for football reasons that he can't play anymore. Like, yes, obviously he's he's not the same player he was three years ago, or not the same player he was fifteen years ago. Um, but I think the main reason he's retiring is he doesn't want to start anew with the Raiders or start anew with, um, you know, another team. And the Bucks aren't capable of running it back because they're 
they're $40 million over the cap without re-signing Tom Brady. So we'll get into that in, in a second in terms of the Bucks ramifications. But I think that the, the primary reason Tom Brady's retiring is because going back to the Bucks with a fully stocked team wasn't an option. So he's like, you know what, if I'm not going to have a fully stocked Bucks team, I might as well end it here. Yeah, and I, I mean, there wasn't really many good options, right? He, Tom Brady's goal is to win again. He doesn't want to go somewhere, like you said. He doesn't want to start a rebuild. He doesn't want to wait on a team that sucks. His good option was realistically probably the New York Jets. And does he want to go back to the AFC East? Does he want to have to try to go through Josh Allen? Does he want to have to play you know, Bill Belichick twice a year? And, and now the Dolphins are great. So I, I think because of the position the league is in where the good teams kind of already have their quarterbacks, you know, minus one or two, it, it's it's going to be a lot more more difficult for these older guys to to win. I, I mean, the AFC alone is is ridiculous. And now you're looking at what was kind of once a, a, a pretty darn weak NFC. At least we we thought of it in the NFC East. It, I mean, the whole entire division was world beaters this year. They, they all play seemingly great defense uh, and you know, at least two of those teams have world-class offenses. So the the league's getting more difficult to win in, uh, as kind of we predicted with with this influx of quarterbacks. And we were we're going to add a couple more good ones this year. So um, I think what what the Brady retirement does is it opens up the door for Aaron Rodgers because that gives him more opportunities. There's more places now for Aaron Rodgers that may have been previously closed by Brady retiring now. So. Maybe Tampa's an option. I can't imagine Rodgers would want to go to Tampa to lose. But, you know, now now the Jets become an option. That also pushes him to the to the AFC where he's going to have to run the gauntlet to try to get to an AFC championship game and eventually a Super Bowl. So, and, and I know the Packers say, are saying that they won't trade him uh, within the division or the conference. So, I mean, what, what is where does that leave us with more potentially retired quarterbacks who still have something left in the tank? Yeah, I mean, the two most realistic, like, Brady or Rodgers landing spots are the Jets and the 49ers. And we'll get into the 49ers in a little bit. Um, but there are obstacles with all of those in terms of fit. And obviously, you said the Packers don't necessarily want to trade Rodgers to the NFC and then competing against him. Um, as Packers and Niners have gone, got, kind of gone back and forth, you know, more so in the in the 49ers' favor of recent years. But let's let's wrap up with the Bucks with um, – where do you see the Bucks going at the quarterback position? Do you see them giving Kyle Trask a year and tanking for Caleb Williams? Do you see them going after a Derek Carr and Aaron Rodgers or maybe a lower tier starter like a Sam Darnold where, or, or a Jacoby Brissett? Like where where on the scale of quarterback do you see the Bucks going with in mind the fact that they are in cap hell? Well, yeah, that's that's the big the, the real big setback is is the cap situation. Um, but I, I do think that if they can't find somebody on on the cheap, it's going to be Trask probably for a year. Uh, but what I what I would like to see is them go and get Anthony Richardson. I, I think you keep him in Florida. That's going to be a big pull. He's got as much upside as you could ask for in in a quarterback, and he's in a great place to try to develop him. You know, and and who knows maybe. Maybe Brady comes back in some capacity down the road. I know he's got his big contract with Fox to do 
uh, some booth stuff, but maybe that turns into some coaching stuff. I I, I don't know, but I, I think they do run Trask for a year again, unless they can find somebody on vet minimum, which you can't really get a quarterback for. Um, and then whoever they can get, it, you know, where where they're wherever they're picking. Uh, I I think you have yeah, to take I mean, a shot. I, pers- personally, I, I'd much rather like eat the year, like try and try and move all the cap in terms of future years into current years, if at all possible. Realize this is going to be be the year we can't afford to do anything, and we're going to stink. And you know, obviously, it's easier said than done to tank for Caleb Williams, especially as someone who's not inside the organization. You know, organizations typically don't tank for for quarterbacks or tank for players at all. Um, but from an outsider with I have no risk of being fired based on the Buccaneers quarterback play. <laughs> um, other other people do, um, but I see very very little reason for the Buccaneers to attempt to compete, which means there's very little reason to play any quarterback other than Kyle Trask. So I mean I'm hoping to see Kyle Trask for multiple reasons because I mean I think that it makes sense to give a second round pick a shot. He probably is terrible, and and when he is, it'll end up being good for the future of the Buccaneers. Uh, I I think there's a non-zero chance that he's at least you know, average or, or sure. in that placement could, level. Yeah. I mean, he could be like a Jacoby Brissett, like a Blaine Gabbert level of quarterback. Yeah. And I, and I do, I do think to take a stab at one of the quarterbacks, uh, whoever's available to them to, to potentially be selected. Unfortunately, I don't think there's going to be any good ones left. I think they're probably all going to go and they may be left taking one in like the third round, fourth round, wherever, and, and just fully committing to Trask for the short term. Let's move on to the West Coast, the San Francisco 49ers. We have Brock Purdy, who it's hard to lose as much dynasty value in seven days as Brock Purdy has. And it has very little to do with the fact that that he like didn't play well in his like very few snaps in the NFC Championship game. It has everything to do with Brock Purdy was the lightning in the bottle. He was the, you know led his team the NFC Championship game. It was like, okay, we're going to ride this hot hand potentially in week one. And now he's got Tommy John and is most likely out for the entirety of the 2023 season. So it's hard to ride ride the hot hand when the hot hand can't play. So uh, the Niners said in a press conference that Jimmy, they don't see any scenario where Jimmy Garoppolo returns to the Niners, which that screams to me, either A, they're going to go after like a Jacoby Brissett type, or B, they're fully committed to Trey Lance. I mean, and, and they very well could be. It's I, I would be in a very tough spot to fully commit to someone that I've seen like six games of and still have no idea what he's capable of. You can say that they can do this in practice and that in practice and they look good and, and whatever. But, I mean, Purdy, Purdy proves that he at least belongs. They won games with him. And we still haven't seen anything from Trey Lance, A, because he can't stay on the field, and B, because when he has been on the field, he's been wildly mediocre, if not bad. So I'm probably in the camp where they wait out how long it takes for Purdy to heal. They trade Trey Lance to whomever, and they bring in Aaron Rodgers. I know that the the Packers are trying to keep him out of the NFC, but in all reality, it's, it's the entirety of the NFC that needs a quarterback or the New York jets and potentially the Patriots, depending on, on what's happening there. But 
those the, the those are the most realistic spots in in my opinion. I I think I think Rodgers despite them passing on him however many years ago and taking Alex Smith uh is bound for a team like the 49ers. If the 49ers get Aaron Rodgers, they won't lose. They will not lose. They will win every single game next year. Yeah, but the problem is that Unfortunately, Aaron Rodgers does not have his own free reign, free will to go wherever he wants. True. Um, you know, the, the, it, this would without the division stakes at hand, this would be reminiscent of when uh, Favre was like, "Okay, if you guys are going to play Rodgers, like send me to Minnesota." And they're like, "We're not sending you to Minnesota, like <laughs> just to beat us. Why would we do that?" So, I mean, Rodgers, Rodgers might have to do the Favre, take a pit stop in, in New York, have New York send him to San Francisco, <laughs> and then, and then that's how that would go. It's very, it's very possible. But back to Brock Purdy, I, I think, I think it's we're probably now a year away from us seeing any more value from him, which sucks. You know that that's tough, especially if you invested him uh, at anything beyond what you were able to get him for. You know, pre pre him starting, uh, because once that that rock started rolling down the hill, there was no stopping it. Um, I still think he's got a decent amount of value, and I, I think he'll end up being a starter somewhere, whether that's San Francisco, kind of like Trey Lance. I still think he's going to go find a starting spot, whether that's in San Francisco on their bridge year, or you know maybe he proves that he is that guy. I, I still don't see it, but they drafted him. They saw something. They wanted him. They see the upside. Um, so... It's a it's a really really weird spot considering all of the injuries, all of the speculation. Um, I I don't think anything really changes with your Debo Samuel's, your Brandon Ayuk's, uh, Christian McCaffrey. I mean, he he's still got to be a top three to five running back, even despite all of the young talent influx that we've had. We were talking about it before the show. There's a couple of guys that I thought would be like in the one spot that aren't yet. But I mean, Christian McCaffrey is just a deserving. So, yeah, I I think the Niners are going to be fine no matter who's playing quarterback. But uh, obviously, option A is probably Aaron Rodgers until they know when they're going to get these guys back. And if they can't commit to Trey Lance now, even while injured, I, I don't know that he can stay on this team. All right, so let's wrap up with what what would be your and it probably isn't a large number either way. What's your buy sell line on Brock Purdy in terms of rookie picks and superflex? Um, I, I think I would probably be comfortable still throwing those those mid to high end seconds. I know that's probably not getting him, but a surgery I, like I, mean, I, I I think two hundred four gets him. Like I think that I mean okay. I have Brock Purdy. I trade him for I trade him for two hundred four. I, I think that my my buy line is probably like two ten to eleven, and yeah. my sell line is probably like two oh five two oh seven ish. Okay, yeah. See, my my issue is is that's a scary surgery for your main job being to throw. Um, you know, obviously, again, technology is way different. We've seen pitchers in the NFL come back from Tommy John and be lights out for a few years, but eventually that kind of wears out. Now. Uh, another issue with Brock is he's not a he, he he's not propelling anyone forward. He's not changing the offense for the better. He's not he's not a world beater. He's just a good enough quarterback for them to get by. So 
I don't think we're going to get into any first round picks, even if they commit to him as the starter. I mean, maybe the the problem is, is you basically have sexy Mac Jones in a better offense. Yeah, um, which is which is why I'm saying that like if you can get him in second form, I think you're capitalizing on that. Is like the like best case scenario for Brock Purdy in his career right now is he's like in a quarterback competition in 2024. That's really like the best case scenario. And the more likely scenario is he ends up being, you know, I keep on saying his name over and over this episode, but a Jacoby Brissett that gets like yeah. spot starts. Um, it I I don't see an NFL team now. Unfortunately, like a week ago, I would have said it was definitely possible week one, 2023. But post Tommy John surgery, I don't see an NFL team entering a season saying Brock Purdy is our QB one and we don't have any competition for him. Yeah, no, I, I think he's one of those kinds of guys where, like you said, he, wherever he goes, he's going to be in a quarterback, uh, you know, competition. And maybe that's what the Niners do. Maybe, maybe they keep Lance, they keep Purdy, you know, winner, winner place. Like uh, uh, they, I, I, I hate teams that do it, but they could eventually, eventually go a hot hand. I mean, they got these guys on rookie contracts. You know, take advantage of it. Yeah, I mean, you could sell one of them for, for a pretty penny, but. At the same time, why not take advantage of them and sell them last second? So we'll see. Um, I, I'm I'm curious with what happens to to Trey Lance. Uh, I obviously he's going to be fully healthy first, and Kyle Shanahan already said Jimmy's gone. So we could we could at the very least see the first half of the season be Trey Lance, and and maybe that's when they decide whether or not he's their guy, whether he performs well or not. Uh, they're going to see everything they need to see if he stays on the field healthy and maybe determine pre-trade deadline what they're doing with him and, and anticipation of getting Brock Purdy back potentially. All right, let's move on to probably the biggest free agency storyline now that Brady is retired is Lamar Jackson. I mean, is he a free agency storyline? Because he's not going to ever hit free agency. He's going to be franchise tagged. Um, the reports of the offers of the long-term extension from, from the Ravens have been like absolutely disrespectful. It was like $115 million <laughs> when it should probably be $315 million. Yeah. Um, so where are we at with Lamar Jackson? Do we see a potential holdout? Do we see a trade or do we see a, a long-term extension? And I, what I said on this topic last week is that, you know, me and that when, when the question is, is an NFL transaction going to happen or not, I err on the side of it is not going to happen uh, in terms of trades. So, like, I think that the most likely order of scenarios are one being a Lamar extension, two being a Lamar holdout, and three being a Lamar trade. Yeah, and in, in my opinion, a holdout is is probably most likely. Um, he's made it very obvious that, you know, well. <laughs> Whether you believe that he was injured or not, him not playing for however long he has not played for has a lot more to do with him being than, than him being injured. I, I think he's been healthy uh, and he just hasn't played due to him not having a contract, which they should have had this figured out forever ago. They it, uh, they they completely screwed this up. So. Yeah, I think I think we're we're due for a little bit of a holdout at the very least. I don't think it affects the full season. I think Baltimore takes their head out of their butts and and uh, they figure it out. They they get him signed. They give him the Russell Wilson deal, and they just deal with it. Or you get teams like uh, I mean, it's got to be like Atlanta, Carolina, Tampa, Tampa. 
the AFC South, I mean, obviously New Orleans, they're looking for one. Um, the, the NFC South is is quarterbackless unless you feel some way about Des Ritter, which I think he actually played okay. Uh, but there, there's not a ton of places for for quarterbacks right now. There just really isn't. So I still think I still and I love Tua, but I still think Miami's in play for Lamar. I, I can't imagine uh, Baltimore would be willing to do a, a you know a sign and trade type deal or whatever. But there's something, something's got to give. He's, he's, he's too good to be kept off of the field because of contract negotiations. And, and it seems entirely one-sided because Lamar represents himself still, I believe. Right. Yeah, I think so. I think like half the Ravens do. So I, I I don't want to put that on Lamar, but that's probably a little bit of it. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know. I think I think we're in a holdout territory. Um, franchise tag is inevitable. I just don't think he signs it. Oh yeah, and, and he'll have to sign it in order for any trade to happen. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, the crazy part, and I I think this might be a, a disconnect between NFL fans and fantasy fans or dynasty fans or dynasty players, is that when people are talking about trade compensation for Lamar, it doesn't even sniff the compensation that was had for Deshaun Watson. And you should at the, like, that should be in terms of the Ravens. Like if, if I'm the Ravens and I want to play this, like the absolute, like hard nose way, I say, look at that. Start there because yeah. Deshaun Watson carries much more risk, both on and off the field than Lamar does at this point. So I don't see why anyone would say that a package for Lamar would need to be less than Deshaun, which it's, it's going to be, it's like, I I, proje- I would estimate that if Lamar if Lamar is traded, it's gonna be like two firsts like max. Like I don't see it entering like the three firsts and two seconds and a fourth territory. Maybe we see something like D'Amico Ryan's going in and making that type of deal. They have the assets, they they have the picks, um, they have the cap space. That that make for honestly, that makes more sense for the Texans than it does them trading with the Bears after they idiotically won that game. Like, if I'm the Texans, scenario one, I guess, is look at Lamar. But if scenario two, I'm just taking player B in the yeah. in the coin flip of Stroud and, and Bryce Young. I don't care. No, and I, I mean, there's a, again, there's a, there's a world where Stroud is QB1 and they end up getting him at two. You know, the Bears figure out a trade with somebody else. Uh, somebody else leapfrogs them. They take, they take Bryce Young. And I, I, I think, I think the Texans realistically losing that game doesn't necessarily hurt them outside of losing trade value for potentially getting out of that top spot to, to get a bunch more assets. So I think they're actually in a better spot because you really can't lose. Cause I feel like these quarterback prospects are similar. And again, there's, there's a, there's a chance CJ Stroud is that guy. And well, sure. But Dan, this, this, this is how it hurts them. If they make the decision to trade with the Bears and they end up like forking over like a 24 first. Yeah, order. but they're idiots then. Then they're just straight <laughs> up idiots. It's dumb enough that they won that game, right? But now they're just idiots if they're trying to move up a spot to select a guy they were going to take it anyways. <laughs> All right. Uh, before we get into the second half of the show, make sure you get your Rotoviz on. We are in 2023. Um, it, it took it took Rotoviz a few weeks to get into 2023. I believe it was January 23rd when we started the RV 2023. 2023 code but we're past that date it's february 2nd as we're recording hopefully 
February 2nd in your ear holes. And so um, make sure you're going to get Rotoviz. RV Radio 2023 gets your Rotoviz pass, access to all of our content and tools. We're going to be breaking them down. Maybe we'll have some guests. Probably not because we've been recording in the mornings. People have jobs. Dan and I have jobs too, but we don't work in the mornings apparently. Um, <laughs> but anyways, um, content tools. Stay tuned. RV Radio 2023 10% discount. Get it today. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. Next is a storyline that I think is going to be an interesting one to follow as we as we get closer to free agency and as the offseason gets underway. Um, granted, I, I know that, you know, in the era of like I feel like we have so many elite wide receivers in the NFL today. And obviously, the more elite wide receivers you have, the more likely they, those players are to get big contracts before they end up hitting free agency. But I can't remember a free agency wide receiver class that has been that is as bad as this one. Um, like there's legitimate like four or five total wide receivers I would want on my NFL roster. That's probably a little bit hyperbole, but in terms of dynasty and fantasy, there's probably like four or five total that have fantasy value. Um, the, the the primary ones are uh, Juju Smith Schuster, DJ Chark, and um, Jacoby Myers and Alan Lazard. Those are really the four that you can pinpoint as like, those guys have fantasy value. Those, those guys have dynasty value. Um, is Do you have a favorite of, of that bunch? And I guess the, the more interesting conversation here is what is a bad F free agent wide receiver class? What does that do to the NFL? Does it create higher drafted wide receivers? Does it make, does it result in some movement of some veteran wide receivers? I know people are trying to trade Mike Evans, the Chris Godwin, Mike Evans can't be traded. The dead cap hit would destroy the Buccaneers even more. So than they're already destroyed. I think Godwin is a little bit more tradable in terms of the dead, dead cap hit. Um, but where are we at with uh, free agency wide receivers, wide receivers on the trade block and potential rookie wide receivers? Well, yeah, I, I think um, teams are kind of learning to either sign their guys or move them rather than let them hit free agency. So these classes are more than likely going to continue to get weaker and weaker uh, because a lot of these guys want to pick where they're going. They don't want to sit and wait and you know try to figure it out at the last second because they always know the worst teams are going to have the most to offer. So uh, for me, this class is led by DJ Chark. I think I... Think, um, I, I I think he was really good in Jacksonville and now with Detroit, I think there's a pretty darn good chance that he's back. Now they do have Amon Ra, obviously they have Jamison Williams. We didn't really get to see him much when he came in, you know, but that, you know, he's a rookie coming with an injury. You start late. I wouldn't expect to see much from him. You know, almost every rookie needs like a half of a season to really get going. Nobody really comes out guns blazing. So 
I still have full faith in Jamison Williams, but if your plan for the Detroit Lions is Jared Goff and running that offense, um, hopefully you bring back Jamal Williams. I think adding DJ Chark back to that crew gives Goff the weapons that he does need to continue to succeed because he was like he was like a top ten fantasy scorer last season, which is absurd to me, or top twelve or something. Uh, I, I I I'd love that for him, but I do think this class is led by DJ Chark. Uh, I think Juju has forever been overrated. However, he is kind of a nice complimentary piece. He's a good slot receiver. I think he can play outside a little bit. Uh, I would have loved to see him get used more in KC. He just he just doesn't seem to have what he had in the the early years in Pittsburgh. So uh, outside of those guys, if I can't get one of them, if if that's my target, if I want a veteran wide receiver to to add to my core, uh, those are the guys I'm probably looking at. And if I can't get one, unfortunately, I'm probably reaching for one of these rookies now the demand for rookie wide receivers has seemingly gone up and up and up and up as the NFL continues to catch up with the passing league and the need to have more than one option on offense. Because for the longest time, it was you get a beast of a running back, you have one good receiver, maybe you have a tight end, and everything else will fall in line behind you. Well, now you're seeing teams with three wide receivers, and even sometimes they're struggling. So uh, adding weapons is the name of the game. And I think that's just going to mean that you're going to have a lot more receivers drafted higher, fewer running backs, you know, kind of as the trend has been. Um, But I think you'll continue to see a bunch of these guys moving up boards. Somebody somebody further down the list, like Jalen Hyatt uh, out of Tennessee. I, I think we'll see him continue to move up there's so I mean, many guys Hyatt definitely has like some like philip dorsett like sneak into the bottom half of the first round 100 like, percent. yeah 100 I, I think i think we could end up with like five or six wide receivers that sneak into the first which seems like a crazy number but again this this free agent class sucks this rookie class is i i think it lacks high-end wide receiver talent like elite level I think there are a couple of very good ones. And then I think there are a lot of like good NFL wide receiver three types or red zone types. And then you have the new Kevin White and Quentin Johnson. So um, <laughs> sorry, I had to throw that one in there because everyone seems to love him. And because he's six, four, uh, he, he should play tight end. Anyways. Um, yes, I, I think it all of this class is going to drive more of these rookie wide receivers higher up in the draft. Uh, I think we probably see double digits through two rounds. You know, maybe maybe day two yields a couple of more um, than than just that. But it's 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 getting back to being an offensive league again. Obviously, defense is important, um, but you, you got to have offense to get started. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I, I think we're probably in the ballpark of of five to six wide receivers in that first round. Uh, it'll be interesting to see who moves up, who moves down, where guys go, how early some of them go. Uh, I do think we're going to see JSN and, and uh, you know, Jordan Addison, Quentin Johnson are going to be overdrafted. But I, I do think they're going to go, you know, in that mid-first area. Um, and then, uh, you know, I, I think Josh Downs is up there. I think uh, uh, the kid from LSU, uh, Boot or Butt or well, K- however K- you say K- 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 yeah. You, okay. I, I think, I honestly think 
I would take him over Jordan Addison and Quentin Johnson. I, I, I have him up higher on my board. Obviously, at a, a tough, a tough little go of of LSU um, being bad, but yeah. So bad free agent class, strong potentially deep rookie class. I, I mean, how do you feel about the rookie class? And I know we've we've talked about it where it's like it's it's beyond it, and then everybody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I in terms of the, the wide receiver class, I, I mean, in terms of wide receiver rookie class. I would say that there's there's definitely a lot of guys that should go in the second round. They're going to end up going in the first. Yeah, hundred percent. Like for for me, I, I think that in, if I'm drafting an NFL team, and obviously I, I don't I'm not no expert on evaluating linebackers, defensive ends, yada yada. But I think that JSN and maybe Addison are like the two that are that should be like locked in first rounders. Um, and you're going to add um, Quentin Johnston and potentially Jalen Hyatt. And, a, and maybe Butte at the end of the first round. Like, there's going to be some guys that, that sneak into that first that that should be second rounders. But guess what? As soon as the first rounders, I'm going to end up buying them in Dynasty. So, um, <laughs> I will say one thing though. Um, we're 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 shitting on this uh, free agency wide receiver class. We're pooing the free agency wide receiver class. Um, if everyone starts to do it and like Juju becomes like free or DJ Chark becomes like worth like a late second rounder. Then maybe like you know try and and buy the dip. <laughs> so, well, yeah, for sure. I mean, th- there's definitely that possibility. I-, I think what ends up being the issue though is if people are passing on a lot of these guys, they're going to end up going into teams on the cheap as their wide receiver three. You know, I-, I I think I think we could see someone like you know Minnesota doesn't necessarily have a ton of space, but if Juju's going to sign on the cheap again after a down year and an offense that he should have boomed in. Minnesota could grab Juju as a slot guy to, to line up against Justin Jefferson, and now that becomes instantly significantly more scary than washed-up Adam Thielen and K.J. Osborne. All right, let's move on to our next topic. We have the Eagles are in the Super Bowl, Dan, um, and we have been the naysayers of naysayers for Jalen Hurts. Um, my naysaying is very quickly hushing and quieting <laughs> and potentially being done. Um, so – well, we'll use this as an opportunity to talk about Hurts, but the, the simple question is, does a Super Bowl win help Hurts' case in Dynasty quarterback rankings at all? No, because he's still not going to have more value than Patrick Mahomes. I think Mahomes, Allen, and and Hurts are kind of the same people right now, value-wise. I don't know that I'd trade one for the other. Uh, oh, I, think- I, I would trade Hurts for Allen or Mahomes in a... New York minute. <laughs> so I, I, I guess, yeah, that was, that was, I probably misspoke on that one. I would trade Hertz for either one of those two. I wouldn't trade Allen for Mahomes. I wouldn't trade Mahomes for Allen and I wouldn't trade either for Hertz. So I, I think he's planted is solidified at three. Uh, I think this is his ceiling, and I'm sure you, if you go back and listen to the tapes, you can probably quote me on saying that about last year. But 13 touchdowns, 900-plus yards on the ground, um, this is his ceiling. Um, I, I still think he's a very middle-of-the-road thrower. Having two wide receivers that are open on every single play helps. Underthrowing them, missing the mark, does not also having Dallas Goddard is important. So I, I think his rushing floor makes up for his 
lack of high-end throwing ability like everyone else behind him in the next like five spots has. The problem is, is you are quite literally putting giving a running back the ball on every single play, and he's just good enough with his arm that you're adding a QB2 on top of an RB1. Yeah, I mean, it's difficult because I'm trying to evaluate my own biases and, you know, preconceived notions with what actually should be the case. And Jalen Hurts should probably be the, the QB3, but would I trade Trevor Lawrence for Jalen Hurts right now? Probably not. Would I trade, you know, Lamar for Jalen Hurts? Maybe. Like, it, there's still these guys that, like, Joe Burrow, you know, those type of players that I might have a little bit more confidence in, maybe because I, ha- I have, you know, the, the draft capital bias and all those different things. Um, but in terms of Jalen Hurts and his actual ability, like, no no one here is saying that Jalen Hurts is not going to be, like, a top seven scoring quarterback for the next five to six years. That's, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. And it has very little to do with even his ability, it has everything to do with in this era of putting together like super wide receiver cores. We have Tua with Waddle and Tyreek. We have Burrow with with Chase and Higgins, and we have Hertz with um, with Devonta Smith and and AJ Brown. And so these super wide receiver cores are lifting up a player. But the thing is that these super wide receiver cores aren't going anywhere. Uh, it's Chase and Higgins has some jeopardy of going somewhere because how much cap do the Bengals have? But Hertz has Hertz has AJ Brown and Devonta Smith for at least like the next three years. Yeah, no, I mean that's that's obviously important having those weapons for. I mean, the only person that not having weapons is going to hurt it isn't going to hurt is Patrick Mahomes. He proved that this year. Yeah, you still have Travis Kelsey, but he put up QB one numbers, overall QB one numbers with absolute dog meat at wide receiver. So, um. Uh, he's the only one I think in the league that it does not matter who is lining up at wide receiver at any position. Cause he's just different. I, it matters for Josh Allen. He needed Stefan Diggs, and I still think he needs more help. It matters for Jalen hurts. Justin Herbert has, you know, has had Keenan Allen. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen there. Obviously Austin Eckler helps Joe Burrow has the big, the big names, Lamar Jackson. Again, his numbers were propped up by rushing. Trevor Lawrence, he is due to get a big name in Calvin Ridley, uh, who they went and got. Christian Kirk turned into uh, a pretty darn good signing after I think everybody poo-pooed it. And I may have been the the leader on that, but I still don't think it was a good contract. But it doesn't matter because it worked out. He scored a lot of points. And, um, yeah, it's you got to have the weapons. You, you have to have them. On, again, essentially everybody but Patrick Mahomes. So uh, if the Eagles continue to do this and they can keep Devonta, you know, beyond his rookie contract, which may end up proving difficult um, unless the Eagles after this Super Bowl window, if you want to call it a window, because this team is still pretty darn young uh, across the board outside of like offensive line. Um. You know, they, they may have to restart at some point, but like you said, these guys aren't going anywhere. You, you've got you've got a, a legit dynasty window of high end production from high end players. And I, I think that just plants hurts as the top of tier two. 
All right, and let's wrap up the show with one thing that I think is kind of a theme of January and early February before we get to MFL rollover, before we get into fully transitioning to the 2023 season, is delayed reactions. So some, and I think this often happens with with injuries. Um, typically, uh, you know, a player gets hurt, and you would think that like if a player sustains a season-ending injury, that the day after the season-ending injury, that would be the cheapest they would be. When it's actually sometimes cheapest there, they are as four or five months later where, you know, you've now lived through the injury and people are like, oh, I don't know if he's going to be back 100 percent or are they going to bring in another guy to compete with him, yada, yada. Now, how that compares to what I'm talking about now is that this can also happen with production in that, you know, players can have breakout seasons, players can have better than expected seasons. And like as they're producing, you're raising up more and more and more, but then you raise them up more and more and more, and then you realize, wait, I still haven't raised them up high enough, um, or I still ha- aren't, I'm still not valuing them high enough. So I, I do want to start this conversation with a veteran. Typically, typically this conversation is revolved around you know first year players, second year players, but the guy who I think that we aren't like adjusting based on their 2022 season is Josh Jacobs. Um, it seems like he has an out. He's getting out of Vegas. He's going to be put in a position to be an RB one on an NFL team. Granted, he ha- he had that in Vegas as well, but you know. I would guess that he probably has like a 60 ish percent chance of being in a better offense than, than Las Vegas, you know, 60% of NFL teams. It's, probably it's hard a to be offense. in a worse. It's hard to be in a worse offense. I mean, if there are worse there, you know, no, I, I mean, there for sure are worse, but yeah, yeah it, that's a tough go there. But anyways, so like Josh Apes was the RB three, 321.3 uh, PPR points, 20.01, 20.08 uh, PPR points per game. I, I don't see any reason to not have Josh Jacobs right back here in the top three, top four of, of you know, redraft rankings and in dynasty rankings having him, you know, RB like seven to ten ish. And we always talk about how in your dynasty RB rankings, you do need to be thinking more short term than you do with the wide receiver or the quarterback position. Yeah. And, and even to add a little bit of clarity to him finishing as, as running back RB three, Austin Eckler was essentially a wide receiver who also had 13 rushing touchdowns. Um, he, he was, he was very touchdown dependent. It seemed because 900 rushing yards is, is a good amount of rushing yards, but we see so many guys kind of hit that, that benchmark of a thousand that nine doesn't really feel like it's enough. He's also 29 years old or a hundred years old. I don't know how old Osmeckler is. He doesn't shave his head anymore. Cause he doesn't have any hair. Cause he's that old. Um, <laughs> But yes, I, I think I think people don't realize that Josh Jacobs isn't even 25 yet. He's been in the league for 15 years and he's 24 in like 10 months or something. No, he, he t- turns 25 next week. Still. So <laughs> the fact that it's a lot of people have him below McCaffrey who, yeah, sure. But it's, you're gaining two years on McCaffrey. P- they have him below Barkley. Barkley's the most inconsistent running back in the league. Yeah, sure, he can break one off at any point in time, but you're either going to get a game with 43 yards or a game with 143 yards and one 80-yard run for a touchdown. That's Saquon Barkley. He did the same crap in college. Um, Jonathan Taylor is 24 years old. Okay, that makes sense. DeAndre Swift is 24 years old. Travis Etienne is 24 years old. We'll get to him in a minute. How do we not have Josh Jacobs in the top six? A lot of people have him like 10. That doesn't make any sense to me. 
Yeah, and I think that if you're going to have him 10, I think the only way, only reason you could cite that is uncertainty for 2023. But my argument would be that more likely than not, things are going to be better in 2023 situation-wise than they were in 2022. Uh, so going to more of the younger side, we have three guys that we wanted to hit on, and we can discuss which one you think has the most delayed reaction. Um, we have the quarterbacks Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields and Travis Etienne, uh, you know, the quote-unquote sophomore running back. I think the one that is probably the most justified delayed reaction is Justin Fields. Um, I'm not a big, like, oh, I need to see him throw the ball guy, but I, I'm I'm still not 100% sure Justin Fields is a long-term NFL quarterback. Like, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I would say, like, 85 to 90% sure. But I still think there's that 10% chance that he is just not a good enough passer to make it consistently at the NFL level. Um which means that I think I can see some hesitancy in in right raising them up the rankings, but I will, you know, I'm sure we'll do some some ranking shows in February. When we do the ranking shows, I'm sure the fields will, will rank out around like uh, QB six to seven. Trevor Lawrence, I, I think that, you know, if we are delayed reacting to, to Trevor Lawrence, um, it's going to be a mistake, and he he outside of the Allen. Uh, Allen Mahomes tier, he's the most likely to enter the Allen Mahomes tier, in my opinion, by next year. And then ETN, uh, I think this is just a, a matter of like shuffling your running back rankings. Um, but what are your thoughts on, on all three of those players? So going back to where you started with Justin Fields, I mean, we, we haven't seen enough, but that offense has been abysmal. They have no playmakers on offense outside of Justin Fields. So we, we know what he can do with his legs. I think he can be every bit of prime Cam Newton that prime Cam Newton was. Now, that only lasted like three years. And we're kind of already seeing, seeing signs of Justin Fields, you know, struggling with injuries, struggling to stay on the field. Um, and the Bears seemingly unwilling to add any form of a weapon around him. They drafted 72-year-old Vilas Jones, which was a great, a great uh, add to this offense. Uh, Cole Komet ended up being probably the best player on offense outside of David Montgomery and obviously Justin Fields. Um, but I, I do think that there is light at the end of the tunnel for Justin Fields. Um, but I also don't think that it's a delayed reaction. I think he's probably ranked in the that core of players that he should be ranked with. He should be ranked with the Kyler Murrays. Probably, you know, I, I think we should start moving Deshaun Watson down a bit, but I think Deshaun's probably in that category. I think two is probably around that ballpark. And I think that that tier probably ends with someone like Dak Prescott. Um, whereas moving on to the next player in Trevor Lawrence, I have Trevor Lawrence as QB four. A lot of people have him seven, eight, nine, um, which again, we're shuffling rankings. We can do whatever, but he's shown already that he can do more with less in year two. He struggled as a rookie. There's no, there's no arguing that it was, it was bad. But that was also Urban Meyer, <laughs> so that was an absolute gong show this year with true leadership, true coaching, and a couple of weapons. And we're still missing elite pieces here. We do have Travis Etienne, which is big. Christian Kirk turned out to be nice. He's not a wide receiver one. Calvin Ridley is going to be brought in. Let's hope he continues to do what he was doing in Atlanta. Um, five years ago <laughs> five years ago and now he's at the, the young age of 37 uh so th that i don't love i i would love to see them go and draft someone highly and 
bring some some more spark to that offense, bring a bring a real playmaker. Not that Kirk wasn't good. I just I, I feel like they're missing an alpha. And I, again, I, I don't really think Calvin Ridley is a wide receiver, NFL wide receiver one. I, I still think he works best across from um, someone that that is. So I I still have Lawrence at four. Um, he he's proven that he can be that guy. He's 23 years old. That would make him essentially the youngest guy on this list. Sands Trey Lance. Um, but you know, Herbie's in a, in a good spot. He he's, they've battled. The Chargers have been the Chargers. Uh, Burrow obviously has the highest floor here because of his, his weapons. I, I think they're going to struggle to retain T Higgins, which sucks, but it is what it is. Um, and, but he's also two years older. So I, I think, I think Trevor Lawrence is that guy. Uh, I think, I think the tier one potentially, if he starts to use his legs a little bit more, that and we know he can. We we watch him do it in college. We watch him do it in the NFL. If he starts to use his legs a little bit more, I think I think Law uh, T Law can can be in tier one for sure. And then Travis Etienne, I, again, like you said, the the ranking shuffling. I just think Etienne has to be in your top three. And a lot of people, again, he's six, seven, eight. He can't be below Austin Eckler. He can't be below Christian McCaffrey. He can't be below Saquon Barkley. You can make an argument for Jonathan Taylor. Uh, if you are in love with the rookies, you can make an argument for one of them. And maybe Brees Hall because he's 21 years old and ETN's 24. But ETN, out of essentially all of those guys, is in the best spot. He's got Trevor Lawrence and what's turned into a great offense, and he's starting to catch the ball. I, I mean, sky's the limit for Travis Etienne, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. And he definitely showed, like I said, this is going back to when Lawrence and Etienne were drafted. But the upside of a Lawrence-Etienne offense, and I know that we're, in, in, the, in, the, in the scheme of this sentence I'm saying, we're overvaluing how much a running back matters. But a Lawrence-Etienne offense was lethal in college and is most likely looking like it's going to be lethal once again in the NFL. 100%. All right, that should wrap us up for today. Any last words, Dan? No, if people are undervaluing their young players, uh, go bye. Bye, bye, bye. And we will talk to you guys next week. Promo code RV Radio 2023. Get in on the action, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Kadoosh!